Hey, it's good to be back with you. Thank you for turning into us, and some of you do that so faithfully. We encourage you to uh, invite other people to be a part of this as well. We're going to look at Isaiah 118 today, Isaiah 118. And let me read this to you. The Lord, through the prophet, says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain a child would understand me. Uh, I ask you that if you give me a word of knowledge to speak to a person that's watching or listening, uh, if you prompt me with it, I really do want to be obedient and speak to it. And then, Lord, you uh, look at all of us, but you look at me differently. I'm a teacher of your word. I'm your preacher. And upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment than any man can put on me. And I accept my place, Lord, in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. We have uh, the prophet Isaiah saying here to uh, uh, to God's people, to his children. <clears throat> and uh, through the prophet, God is telling them what he is displeased with. Um, he, uh, if, you, if you read the verses uh, up to chapter 1 all the way to verse 17, you're going to say that God sees that his children have rebelled. They're rebellious children. They don't know or understand. They've, they are sinful. They are corrupt. They are an evil nation. He says, they have forgotten me, they have despised me. Uh, and uh, uh, again, he's bringing judgment on them. That goes back to last Sunday's sermon, you reap what you sow, right? Uh, and he said, I've had enough of your empty rituals. <clears throat> and uh, what he means by this is uh, the, the problem that the people had is they lived any way they wanted to. But when it came to the sacrificial system, uh, they tried to stay true to the sacrificial system, uh, thinking they could do anything they wanted to in their life, but yet they could come and they could go through the sacrificial system, and then this would please the Lord uh, as long as they did that correctly. So they, they lived rebelliously, but they tried to worship in a very holy way, and it didn't go together. And he even tells them through Isaiah and others, I hate your empty rituals. Uh, you know, that, that could even be us today. And I obviously hope you see that I'm taking, uh, I'm taking these people then and moving it to who we are now. That that's been one of the biggest complaints of pastors that I know is that people live like they want Monday through Saturday. And then they, they come in, they dress up, they act up. Uh, in such a way that they are respectful to the Lord and then they go back to living their pagan ways. And God says, I'm, I'm having enough of this. This is enough of this. Um, and the picture here was they thought sacrifice was greater, was greater than obedience. As long as we do a good sacrifice, then, then we don't have to be obedient in the way that we live. God used Samuel, the man who anointed the prophets, to say this to people, but also to a king. And we find this in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Let me read it to you. And Samuel said, Has the, has the, Lord, as, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices 
as in obeying the voice of the Lord, this is what Samuel said, behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams, which would be, the fat of rams would be a great, uh, a, a great splendor when it came to giving a sacrifice. Do you see what they're doing here? They're, they're making their sacrifice wonderful, excellent, but their life isn't. Uh, and, and Samuel is telling a king and the people that uh, obedience is greater than a sacrifice. The people we're studying today in Isaiah chapter one think that sacrifice is greater than obedience. And the Lord says, I've just had enough. I've had enough of your empty rituals. So in verses 16 and 17, uh, he says this through the prophet, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds uh, from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, pursue the widow's cause. In other words, work on their behalf. He's telling them, get your life straightened up. Get your life straightened up. Uh, it, it, the picture here is you've got to turn. You're headed the wrong direction. You need to, God's giving you a chance to turn and head in the right direction. Uh, when we go to Isaiah 118, we go to the phrase where it says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. I love that verse. I love this verse. Uh, this section alone right now where it says, come now, let us reason together, has been used by our presidents in America in the Oval Office. They have uh, displayed that to any dignitary, to anybody from another, from another country, any ambassador of come now, let us reason together. They have used this in the Oval Office to help set the tone of any of their discussions or any of their meetings. Uh, I, want to, uh, I want to deal with the passage here and the word reason. Um, the, the word reason is a legal term. It is a legal term. God is not saying to these rebellious kids of his, his rebellious people, I want to come and negotiate with you. He's not saying that. So we're not saying let's come to the table and hit a compromise, meaning they give a little, he gives a little. Uh, he's, he, what he actually is saying, let's end the dispute. Let's, let's put an end to it. I want to remind you about something here is when we're dealing with the Lord and we come to the Lord, we're always going to have to come on his terms. Uh, I don't know about you, but I ran from the Lord for right, right at, and I'm just, I'm just looking back real quickly now, but a, a, a good six plus years. I knew what his call was on my life. I just didn't want anything to do with it. And I wanted to negotiate. Do you understand? Here's what I mean by that. I, I wanted to, I was in corporate America. Uh, Julie and I were doing well in that. She was a nurse. I was in corporate America with UPS. Um, our future looked really bright there. Uh, I knew what God's call was on my life. I just didn't want to do it. And I really tried to negotiate. I was like, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll be involved in the church. <clears throat> I'll give to the church. I'll support my pastor because I'm a pastor's kid. And we need people to support us, to encourage us and love us anyway, right? <clears throat> I wanted, I, I said, God, and th these are li literally the list. They're so fresh on my mind, even though it's been 34 or five years ago. 
I said, Lord, I'll support my pastor. I will financially support my church. <clears throat> I'll be a leader. I'll do Sunday school. I'll be a deacon if that, if that raises up. And here's the one I threw on there. I'll even be a Gideon. <laughs> I said, I'll be a Gideon. Uh, and I love the Gideon ministry. And Julie and I have uh, been a part of Gideon ministry for a number of years in teaching at their international conventions. We haven't done it for a number of years, but we used to do that. Maybe again, one day that'll be an opportunity to happen again. But I, I gave God what I would do. And I'm like, I would read this verse, come now let us reason together, thinking that we could negotiate. Let me tell you something. Uh, Romans says the call of God is irrevocable. It means he doesn't take it back. And uh, I, uh, I knew God had called me on my life. I, I, I could come to God, but I, I wasn't going to be able to come to him on my terms. Do you see the picture there? I, I wasn't going to be able to negotiate my contract with him. I, I knew what he had called me to do, and I had to be able to surrender to that. Do you see what I mean here? God is not calling these rebellious children that he loves to the table to negotiate with them. I want to remind you, he wants to end the dispute, enough of their rebellion. When we come to God, we come to God on his terms. We come to God on his terms. We'll hit that just a little later in the sermon. Um, this picture here, uh, this picture here is that we are, a, it is a courtroom and when he says, come let us reason together, he's using a legal term there. And uh, here is a judge that can do one of two things. He can bring judgment on his people or he can bring pardon to his people. He can do either one of those. Uh, and so he's inviting them to come and let's reason together. Let's, uh, let's figure this thing out. Let's end this dispute. Um, and uh, I want to remind you of something that James wrote. James is one of my favorite books of the New Testament. I want you to see this about God because we want to get into this character of God. Draw near to God. This is James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. He also uses double-minded earlier in the book. It actually means double-souled. It means you're two people. Uh, do you see this in Isaiah 1? They're two people. They are rebellious people of God, but yet when they come to the day of sacrifice, they look like we're going to do this with excellence we're gonna to try to outwit God. We're gonna to try to fool him. And so our sacrifice is gonna be the, the fat of rams, which would be an excellent sacrifice. And people are gonna be blown away by our sacrifice because then they'll think we're holy. And the reality is they're rebellious people against God. Do you see, do you see in James, how it fits Isaiah 1? They are double-minded, they are double-souled, they're really two different people in one person. Uh, he says, that when you, but here's the beauty of James 4. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Remember I told you, uh, come now let us reason together is a courtroom. The word reason is a legal term. And when you come into the courtroom, you're coming into his courtroom. You're not coming to a table. You're coming into his courtroom. And he can either judge and throw judgment or he can give pardon. 
And I want you to see the character of God here. He, he is proposing a pardon for his people. I don't know about you, but this is where I wilt. Uh, listen, uh, when I surrendered to the Lord, uh, he was forgiving of everything that I've done, every path, wrong path I had been on, every rebellious act I have ever happened in my life. He is willing to forgive me of this. I know we have an earthly court to deal with, and I know that you can get your records cleared. I know that that can happen, but I want you to know there's another court. There is another court for all of us. I don't care where you're living, how old you are, what language you speak, what country you live in. There's another court that we're in, and judgment can happen or pardon can happen. And today I wanna give you the message that pardon can happen in and through our God. I love him for this. I love him for what he has done that even in, in my own life. And here he spoke. He has the chance of speaking his wrath, but he's already done that through the prophet. Remember he said, you're, you're rebellious people. You're sinful. You're corrupt. You're an evil nation. You've forgotten me. You've despised me. Um, and uh, I, don't, I, I don't like your empty rituals. He spoke his wrath through his prophet, but now... He speaks his love to his people. Remember, he can judge them, but he, or he can pardon them, and he chooses to pardon them. Draw near to God, James says, and he will draw near to you. I hope you hear that today. I hope you hear that no matter who you are, you can be clean and free before the Lord, innocent before him. He has the ability to wipe that away and to wipe your sins away, and uh, that's where we're going to next. In Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. We just handled that. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Let's handle this right here. Um, red, uh, I, I read this somewhere in my reading for this sermon. I can't really remember, but you would think black would be the color of sin because it uses darkness. You know, it uses darkness. But in Scripture... Uh, red is the color of sin. Red is the color of sin. Though your sins are like scarlet, you see that there? They shall be as white as snow. They shall become pure. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Uh, snow and wool are a picture of the original state. Um, meaning, Snow was purified, but then it, it became dirty. And he said, I can make it clean again. Uh, here, though they are red like crimson, can refer to a dye that they're using. A dye that came from an insect or a worm, and it was used to bring color to clothing. And the launderers of that day, those who did the laundry, uh, they were not able to get this crimson stain out of that clothing, out of the, they were not able to get that dye out of it. And uh, here the Lord is saying through his prophet, he's saying, I can, uh, I, can make, I, I can make your sins become as the purity of snow. And I can make you the, the, the dye, the clothing, I can, I can take out that dye, which they couldn't take it out. I can take that red crimson dye out and you become the original state of the wool, of, of the color of the wool. He said, I am able to separate you 
from the stains of sin that are there. I am I have the ability to be able to do that. I, I love the Lord in that. So he he's he's telling them, You're coming into my courtroom. Remember, we're not just going to a table. And he said, I have the power to judge you, I have the power to pardon you. And he chooses to speak his love to his people and to be able to to, to pardon them. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, John wrote, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all <clears throat> excuse me, unrighteousness. He says, If we confess, th- this word confess can go to Isaiah 1, even though Isaiah, we, we have the Hebrew language there. And then in John, we have the Greek language. But the word confess in the Greek matches the word reason uh, in Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, it is that uh, the word confess in uh, 1 John 1, 9 means agreement. It means same word. It's what the word means. It means we're in agreement. <clears throat> Remember I told you we come on his terms, and we do. We, come, we don't come on our terms. We don't come negotiating. Uh, we come on his terms. And he says, if we confess, if we agree with God, is really what the word confess means, our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness is a match to verse 18 in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, it, it, it's a beautiful picture, but you're going to have to come to God and say, listen, uh, what I did was against you. And sometimes I said that in the sermon last Sunday. We don't acknowledge our sin. Uh, we we may think, well, it's I've broken a law or I've done something to somebody, but we don't say that I've done this against God. And that's where we've got to get to. We've got to get to where the word confess is not just saying it with your mouth. It means that I am agreeing with God on what's going on and what's going wrong in my life and that I'm asking him for this beautiful pardon that he shows us in Isaiah chapter 118. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to look at the ministry of Jesus concerning all this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Look at this passage here. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He's willing to do that with the people in Isaiah. He's willing to do that with the people that James is talking about in chapter 4. He's willing to do that with who John mentions in 1 Corinthians, I mean, 1 John 1, 9. He's willing to do that with the people that Paul is reaching out to in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19. And not only do I want to forgive you, but I want to give you the ministry of telling people that I will forgive them. We continue on in that. So uh, uh, there's some things I want you to recognize from today's sermon. Uh, God is a judge and God can do his judgment or he can give us his pardon. And I love the fact that he leans toward his pardon. He will, he will judge justly in all of our lives in the next court. He will do that. But I love the fact that he gives us our pardon even now 
That's, that's a beautiful, beautiful God. Another challenge I want to give you is don't be the rebellious child. Don't be the rebellious people. Uh, I said in last Sunday's sermon, don't be on that list that we were able to give as people who work and sow according to the flesh uh, in Galatians chapter 5, if you remember that sermon, which I hope you do. But it, it is, we get off that list. That's not a good list to be on. Here, don't be the rebellious child. Don't be the rebellious people. Don't forget who God is and what he has done in your life. And then the other, the other challenge is that um, God will give us a pardon, but he does it on his terms. We have to agree with him and we have to confess. You can live in that pardon today. I'm telling you, you can live in it today. You go to him. Remember what James says, James 4, 8, you draw near to God. He gives you a great promise. He draws near to you. He doesn't make you do the whole thing. Uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And you can live in that way with clean hands and a pure heart. And I pray that you do. Uh, remember, we love you. We love you here. And uh, you know what we say to each other when we leave each other. And I mean for you to live in both of these. Grace and peace to you today. Make sure you live in both.